Well, some of you heard this story, but I thought I'd tell it again since my dad is here this morning. When I was uh, nine or ten, I wanted to smoke. I was experimenting with pleasure in my life. And dad said, let's try out this experiment of pleasure, shall we? But it has to be in these parameters. One, it has to be after Thanksgiving dinner. Two, it can't be any of those filtered cigarettes. It's got to be unfiltered Marlboro Red cigarettes. So those are some of the parameters. And then over Thanksgiving dinner, my brother says, you know, you take that thing down in two drags, I'll give you five bucks. And I said, no problem. Dad advised that maybe we should light up outside. Uh, And you kind of can get where the experiment ended along with my Thanksgiving dinner, let's just say it was on the pavement outside. Well, today we are going to see another experiment with pleasure. What does it consist of? And what is the end result? Just as hopefully my dad's experiment informs my daughters without trying it out themselves, smoking, The hope this morning is that the author of Ecclesiastes teaches us through his experiment of pleasure without us having to repeat his same mistakes. So let's see what goes on with this experiment of pleasure, shall we? Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure, enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works, I built houses, and planted vineyards for myself, I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity, a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Herein is wisdom. Well, if you're just joining us, we are going through the book of Ecclesiastes, and here is this guy, Koheleth the preacher, the kind of procureur of wisdom, the guy that has experienced so much and he is searching through this book for meaning, the meaning of life. 
And he does this through poetry, visual imagery, experiments. He takes us along, and this editor who has put together Ecclesiastes has compiled Koheleth's adventures. And he wants us to learn from them. He wants us to gain wisdom from this search of meaning that Koheleth has gone through. One of Koheleth's first experiments is the experiment with pleasure. And you see, he invests all of himself into it. I said, in my heart, meaning from the very depths of his soul, from his will, from everything that governs him. That means his heart. He is taking it all to find out meaning through pleasure. And you see, come now, I will test you with pleasure. This is this experiment, this is this test to see what brings joy, which the Hebrew probably is best interpreted, joy or delight. Not far from the philosophies of our age, what does it take for me to be happy? (laughs) What is it going to take for me to have a good time in life? And Koheleth is taking this journey too, testing Will pleasure bring meaning to life? Will it be able to make sense of it all? Well, we learn quickly the result from the beginning. Just as when you heard a nine-year-old smoking cigarettes, you probably knew it wasn't going to end well. Just maybe knowing that a guy that decides pleasure is what I'm going to test, you know that might not go well in finding meaning. So we're told right away. But behold, this also was vanity. This is a word we're going to see over and over again. I explained last week. I'll explain it again. It's used 30 plus times in the book of Ecclesiastes. The word is hevel. Smoke or vapor is what the literal um, translation is. It's really the idea that the quest for meaning is an enigma. It's a mystery. I know the NIV might interpret it meaninglessness or the ESV as vanity, but really I think I like that word enigma. It's a mystery. Like smoke and vapor, I try, I see it, I see it, there is meaning, there is something, but when I try to grasp it, it just goes through my fingers. You might say, this book just seems really depressing. Death, you bring skulls to church, meaninglessness, what is going on? Well, I think to see the foundation of life, what is meaningful in life, we need to deconstruct some of the false structures that we have built. And that's what Koheleth is taking us on. What are those false structures? Let's go along in his journey and see, do they satisfy? Do they bring purpose and meaning to life? Well, we can see that Koheleth is starting his journey probably on the wrong starting point or wrong foot or wrong foundation. And that has really skewed the whole experiment 
It would be like working with a measuring device in cooking or doing some scientific experiment or working in chemistry class that was off. Instead of a quarter of a cup, it really was a third of a cup. Instead of it being alcohol, I used water or vice versa. You're using the wrong chemicals. You're using the wrong things for the experiment. And that's really what we're seeing about Koheleth. He is starting off in the wrong place in his experiment. You see this throughout Ecclesiastes, especially in chapter two, by just one simple letter. (laughs) Not one letter in Hebrew, but one letter in English, the pronoun I. Over and over, I, 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 he says. See, his frame of reference for finding the meaning of life is his subjective experience. What I do, what I go out and find, that is what will find meaning. It really speaks to the 21st century mind. Probably the Western mind since the Enlightenment, probably that it is the idea of our own search for meaning. It doesn't come from outside revelation. It doesn't come from something coming to us, from God or whatever it might be. It really comes from our own opinion, our own subjectivity, our own idea of what, value, what is valuable. The search starts with himself, I And you see, the irony continues. See, it says that these experiments, he he says they're foolish experiments, but he says they're guided by wisdom. He says this twice. I don't understand. How can what something is foolish be guided by wisdom? See, he's using wisdom ironically. I like to think of Ecclesiastes as like the reverse of Proverbs, right? If you've read the book of Proverbs. See, the book of Proverbs starts the experiment on the right foot, doesn't it? What does it say? What is wisdom in Proverbs? Wisdom begins with what? The fear of the Lord. Do you see Koheleth starting his experiment of meaning with the fear of the Lord? No, he's not at all. See, his wisdom is not the Hebrew understanding of wisdom. His idea of wisdom is what I think is wise. His wisdom doesn't start with the fear of the Lord. It starts with himself. It's like this. What if I said, I let my daughter decide the meaning of life for themselves? Especially through pleasure. Let's make sure I did that experiment with them. They got to be the starting frame of what pleasure brings meaning of life. I'm sure that my refrigerator would be full of chocolate sauce. And the freezer would be full of ice cream. But one day, after my girls are doing their own experiment with pleasure of eating tons of ice cream and tons of chocolate sauce on top of it, one day they would say, ice cream, ice cream, chocolate sauce, chocolate sauce, vanity, vanity. Meaningless, meaningless. 
But at that point, it's too late. They've got stomach aches. They're in sugar comas. Hopefully, they haven't developed diabetes. See, the starting point for wisdom for my daughters isn't themselves. Isn't their own subjectivity. Isn't what they think is right. It starts with what? Honoring their father and their mother. To realize that ice cream needs to be in portions with a well-balanced diet. And when it's put in that frame of reference, then it makes sense. Then there is meaningfulness to it. Then there can be value to it when it starts with the right frame of reference, what mom and dad see. I wonder, what is your starting point for the quest for meaning? Is it I, I, I? My own wisdom? Some of you here this morning will readily admit that your starting point is not God. If you're here, I am so glad you're here. You're going through a great book because it's an experiment of finding meaning under the sun. You're already going through that experiment. But here is Koheleth going through it too. He wants to find out is there meaning if there is nothing above the sun? There is no transcendence. There is nothing greater. All that there is is what's in the imminent frame. All that what there is is within the natural world. Is there meaning if this is all there is? I encourage you, if you don't believe there is nothing outside the natural world, join us in Ecclesiastes. Let's go through that experiment and let's find if we can find meaning if all there is is what's under the sun. Now, if you claim that God is your starting point, I think there's some questions for you too. Do you really start with God as the starting point for wisdom and meaning. You know, one way to tell if you really believe God is the starting point for wisdom and meaning in your life is this. When you start not to get things that you want, do you start to blame God? God, what are you doing? Why have you given me this? I wanted this, I wanted that. The truth is, if you say that to God about not getting what you want, your starting point isn't God, it's yourself. Maybe Ecclesiastes is good for you too. Maybe we should see this morning if you are also what I call an experimental hedonist. <laughs> that you find meaning in pleasure. Well, let's see what the experiment does and what Koheleth goes on in his journey for pleasure and what things he puts in himself and puts around him to find meaning through pleasure. One, he starts with what? Verse two, I said of laughter, it is mad. The mad is probably not the idea of being senile, but it's the idea of folly. Here he's saying even the idea that 
there is meaning in just laughing it off is not true. See, if I take the problems of life and I just laugh it off, then I will be okay. That might be the philosophy he's going against. See, I don't think Hoel is debating the merits of laughing when things are hard. He's debating whether we can find ultimate meaning in just laughing. See, I think you can laugh at your problems for so long, but at some point, it's going to hit you. <laughs> Wayne, I, Wayne Brady, you know, uh, whose line is it anyway? Right, that guy? He, uh, I don't know if you know this, a couple years ago, he went through some serious depression. And he explained it like this, uh, a moment in his life. He says, I was there by myself in my bedroom. And I have a complete... Um, and I have, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm just there in my bedroom and I just go ahead and, and imagine, here I am, this brother in his underwear, in his room, with snot just pouring out of himself, he says. And it was at that birthday, when I turned 42, it was the beginning of me saying, I've got to make a change. He saw what had happened to Robin Williams and he said, I, something needs to be different. Even a comedian. If you followed comedians, you realize that they are depressing people. When, uh, when they are not up on stage, it can be very hard for them. You know, sometimes I think many of us come to church thinking it's a comedy club. It's the pick-me-up. Pastor, tell me a joke. I'll tell you the truth. I, I'm all for telling jokes. That's great. But if you leave this place saying he's really funny, I'm not doing my job. And you think, oh, you're just so serious. Thing is, if you're a person that laughs off everything, you quote movie lines like it's no one's business, if you're avoiding hard questions, it's gonna hit you at some point in time. Look what one Greek philosopher said about this. He said, there is an argument about whether the person who makes people laugh or the one who makes them weep is of the most use in the world. He that makes his friends laugh seems to me to do them much less service than he who makes them weep. I know there are many comedians that would rather have someone that made them weep and think than made them laugh. Are you just laughing off everything? Are you really looking at what is meaning? Well, his experiment goes on. He says, I search in my heart how to cheer my body with wine. I probably don't need to say much about alcohol in Wisconsin. Uh, I mean, you've probably seen the maps of uh, the amount of bars in Wisconsin versus grocery stores. It's insane. We're the only state where there's more bars than grocery stores. If you look at that map, it's insane. The amount of AA groups in the Fox Valley, all these stats that Al Appleton is in the top 10 of the drunkest cities in America, and I think like there's six of 10 or seven of 10 Wisconsin cities that rank in the top 10. 
I think the experiment starts young with people in Wisconsin. It's a way for them to loosen up and talk at parties, to fit in, to experiment with meaning. I want to find purpose. So if I want to fit in and, and find meaning in my life, alcohol will be an elixir to help me have conversations with others. The sadness is as the experiment goes on over life, many people don't kick the habit. For many of us, alcohol can be something that makes us relax and just make sense of the pressures of life. Hear me, I am not against alcohol. The first keg I bought was being a Presbyterian pastor. Okay? I love wine. I love a good beer. The question is, can it solve the search for meaning? If you are a person that, you know, say, oh, I don't have a problem with this, but you're starting to say, you know, the one thing that makes sense in my life is when I drink. I think it's time to talk to someone. I would love to talk to you. I'm sure there's many people in this church who would love, the elders would love to be able to talk to you about that. It's a problem. And many people find meaning in it. Many of you are children that have grown up in families where you had fathers or mothers who tried to make sense of their life through alcohol and have been bruised and battered and seen how it has not brought meaning to life through what you've experienced. Well, the experiment goes on. It says, I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. So you say, oh, I've conquered these other forms of pleasure, right? This debauchery form of pleasure. Alcohol and laughter, just things that are trivial, you say. I live the simple life. My house, my cabin, my garden, my creation, what I've made. Well, I truly believe there's nothing new under the sun, as Ecclesiastes and Koheleth says. See, Koheleth, he also too watched this old house. He had HDTV. He read Better Homes and Gardens. He was project-obsessed with the garden, with how the fireplace looked. A tweak here, perfection here. And maybe if I get everything right in my house and what I've created, then there will be meaning. You might say, come on, don't list this as one of the experiments. No, no, not that. I mean, this is the American dream. Property, 40 acres, a mule. It, it might be okay to talk about alcoholism being vanity, but don't call my perfect manu manicured flower garden vanity. I created this. I made this. This isn't vanity. Wait, wait, I, I'm sorry. You're right. The work on your house, your beautiful garden, 
You can take that to heaven. You know that? Everything else, no, but that stuff you can take. No, no, no. You can't take that with you either. I love what Zach Eswine says about Adam and Eve and their gardening. What did Adam and Eve say? One more tree and I'll be happy. See, Koheleth is trying to recreate Eden right here in Ecclesiastes. He's playing God. How often do we say that? Try to recreate Eden here. No matter how many stars you put outside your house, no matter how many throw pillows you put on your bed, no matter how many flowers you grow and you know, vegetables you have, no matter how many sweet home pictures you have in your house, it will not be the new heavens and new earth. Vanity, vanity. Meaningless, meaningless. Well, he goes on. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasures of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. Here truly is, or you might say Solomon, the excess, servants to work for him, Musicians to perform for him. To bring in to his daughter's birthday party. Nice artwork to put in his house. Gold to display on his fingers or wherever it might be. It's a good thing that uh, that doesn't hit us, right? We're out of that price range in Appleton, right? This isn't the Appleton life. But oh, how many of us want it to be our life. Oh, if I was there, if I had someone working for me, then I would be okay. If I had my own personal assistant, then I have arrived. You don't think you do? Well, who do you follow on TV and magazines? Watching Cribs. Looking at the lax life of millionaires or stars. Think, oh man, they could have any woman they wanted. How I wish I could be them. How we wish we could be like them. So we fall into the same trap. If I could be like Aaron Rodgers, I could date any woman I wanted to. If I had a row house in Manhattan and then a place on the, west, on the west coast in LA, I don't even want stuff. If I could just travel the world and experience things, then I would find meaning and purpose. It's funny. Aaron Rodgers, as he sat on the bus after they won the Lombardi Trophy in 2010 and they were passing around the Lombardi Trophy, he thought to himself as he said to a reporter, I hope I don't just do this. 
he too is finding it's meaningless, meaningless. If there's any a time that we would see that wealth doesn't solve the existential questions of life, I hope it's this week, folks. Kate Spade, a multi-millionaire empire, places in New York City, in L.A., in Colorado, took her life. Anthony Bourdain, talk about the bohemian man that got to experience all cultures and all things and travel the world, took his life. I wonder, what is it going to take us to realize the experiment of pleasure is not where we can find meaning? What will it take? Will it take the CDC's report this week? Did you see this? What the Center of Disease Control showed? That the rate of suicide has increased by 30% over the past 20 years, that in every single state but one, suicide percentages have gone up. 45,000 people in 2016 took their life. That's double the amount of homicides in America. And it's the second leading cause of death for people ages 15 to 34. Come on. We're in the richest time, in the most pleasure-seeking time in all of history. Shouldn't it fulfill us? Shouldn't it satisfy us? We keep on with this experiment, but how is it working out for us? When will we wake up? When will we see it's meaningless? He sums it up. He comes to the end of his experiment and this is what he finds. I've, I've tried everything. There's nothing I haven't tried. I've done it all. And then he bookends this. I love this word, behold. It's the word in Hebrew, pana, which means face. You could imagine he is taking you, both hands on your face, and saying, look, consider, look me in the eye. This is what I want to show you. I have done all of this, and what have I found? Behold, all was vanity and a striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. The message of Ecclesiastes is not here to depress us. It's to show us the experiments that we run of pleasure will leave us bankrupt, and they fail to bring meaning. I just got to be honest. This is, this is incredibly frustrating, this passage. It's incredibly frustrating because I don't want someone else to tell me through his experience how I'm supposed to live. Right? It's like my dad telling me cigarettes are bad. I want to know myself. 
I, there is nothing that frustrated me more in seminary when these big time pastors with their books and their large churches came to the seminary and then they said, let me tell you all seminarians that doesn't matter how many people you have in your church, doesn't matter how much money you have, all that matters is God. See, how dare you tell me that? You've arrived. You've made it. And now you tell me that? I think we're in the same place. Don't tell me, Pastor, how I'm supposed to live. Don't tell me that pleasure is not what meaning is all about. I need to find it out myself. You know, I think the disciples had that same frustration. You know, they had this guy, this young Koheleth. He came to Jesus and the disciples watched. He was a young man. He was really rich. He was really good. And he came to Jesus with the same kind of questions Koheleth had. Existential questions. How do I find eternal life? You know this guy? The rich young ruler? And what did Jesus say? Give it all up and follow me. And the disciples were incredulous about this. What? Jesus, this is what we're supposed to be like. This is our goal. We want to be like him. We want to have money. We want to be a rich young ruler too. We want to have all these things. We too want to be this. What are you doing rejecting him? Please, if you're going to listen to anything, here it is. Listen to this. Many of us follow the experiments of Koheleth and the rich young ruler. And what is crazy is we have seen through all of time that these experiments have not paid out. Has any of them paid out? Any of those experiments, have they paid out? But yet we still follow them. And the one experiment, the one search for meaning that did pay out, that did work, the one man that did it the right way, that conquered death, that found meaning in this life by defeating what this life does to us, we don't follow. It just doesn't make sense. But isn't it the human condition? I, I, I. My wisdom, my wisdom, my wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And an experiment that paid out. We get to see it. We get to see the end result. We get to see that there is meaning through him. Which experiment will you follow? Which will you do? Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we live in a place where people are just sucking in pleasure. Just taking it in, taking it in. And we fall into the same trap. Thinking a lake house or this TV or this car or this race goal will bring us meaning. But this experiment is faulty. Lord, help us be people that look to the experiment that has succeeded. You. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.